0: What you saw was a place where the best and the brightest people in the world came together to actually change it.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to the Underrated Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. This show is a collaboration of friends and together we are the Undercast Company. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a movie called Tomorrowland. This is a movie about a girl, Casey, who stumbles, or more so is chosen, to see a futuristic alternative world where once everything technologically possible was a reality. This Tomorrowland encapsulates the vision that Walt Disney and his original Imagineers had imagined for a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Um, Along the way, she meets a now disgruntled. This disgruntled um, once upon a time dreamer um, that has been thrown out of this promising world after creating the machine that predicted impending dread and has uh, passed with an android named Athena that has recruited Casey. Um, and together they chose to stop a future that does not happen and was actually put in motion by people who want control over their well being. Of their fellow humans. Or fellow... Yeah. Fellow humans. Um, So that's something that might sound familiar in um, today's society. But this movie was directed by Brad Bird. Of incredible um, fame. And... and he also wrote the screenplay alongside David Lindelof of Lost Damon, Fame, Damon Lindelof, Damon Lindelof of Lost Fame, and mm. and a couple of other geeky things as well. Um My and, guy.
2: and Jeff Jensen. and
1: and Jeff Jensen, and um, the story, this me- the story's message has only increased in relevance. Um, that while the world has many ways of presenting us with negative things especially in mainstream news broadcasts it has equal amounts of great things that we only see that we only need to see to remind us of the things we should truly be fighting for and that a bright feature, the bright feature that disney envisioned is still possible to have so i wanted to just get that Whole thing out there because I took a lot of time, as you can tell by my speech right there. This is um, my choice of of uh, big swing of which is our this month's um, theme. We're doing a theme month this this year, and um, big swings are essentially movies that fit a criteria that is. Um, a new world building, so it has to be an original kind of movie concept. Um, just basically, yeah, swinging for the fences. Uh, Derek, did I leave? I think I left a couple of things out, yeah.
2: So, yeah, um, so yeah, movies that are like you did a pretty good job. I'll just kind of, um, it's a concept that I kind of came up with for us to talk about here, and I, um, but they, yeah, they're movies that are. Not based on any pre-existing film franchise, so they can be adaptations of like, you know, a novel or something, but it's not, you know, an adaptation, like a sequel to something else. So Tomorrowland is actually one of the first ones we've talked about that is a wholly original thing, even though it takes its name from a theme park area. Um, They have to be really expensive, so in the nine figures, so, um, you know, over $100 million. Um, They have to have world building, like you said, and they have to be kind of bonkers. This one isn't as weird as some of the Mm -hmm. other ones we've talked about, but I think it is still kind of like has enough of that bonkers kind of like there's, there's some weird enough weird shit going on in Tomorrowland to kind of qualify it for, for this kind of this type of big swing movie. Um, Yeah. And they're also,
1: and they're also noted by um, a good amount of CGI also is like a good telling point of, of the, of the movie being a big swing. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I I chose this movie. Um, oh, before I get too far ahead of myself, like I always do, um, let me introduce you to my um co um podcasters here in this episode. We have my my brother. Hi. Um, we have Alan Torres.
0: Hey, what's up, guys?
1: And we got Derek McDuff. Hey, good to be here. So, um, I want, what do you guys think about it? Um, you know, let's get this thing started.
0: Um, do I want me to go first? I can go. Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Up. Well, um, I'm not going to lie. I think all these big swings, I'm just loving them. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying every <laughs> single one. Tomorrowland. This one was a lot of fun. I had been wondering. I actually wanted to watch this one. Again, mm-hmm. just didn't have the time or, or something happened where I didn't get a chance to go to the movies. and. I dug it a lot. Like everything about it was great. It was fun. I kind of, it definitely had that cool Disney feel to it where it wasn't so, I don't know, it was, it it has that like magic to it that I really liked. Um, I really liked the story. I liked the whole, like that Tomorrow Lands, this whole kind of own dimension for all these people who are creative or, you know, smart or artistic and everything to come together and build like kind of a perfect future world. So, like that, that whole world building stuff was like, Awesome, mate. I loved it. Um, I'm kind of glad that I figured out what the whole the the little pin was because I was every time mm-hmm. I saw the trailers, I was like, "How does that work?" So mm-hmm. if she falls down like stairs, does, does she fall down in Tomorrowland? And then finally they explained, "Oh, it's like a commercial for Tomorrowland." And I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, cool." I was like really worried about the logic, but yeah, it made sense. Uh, the acting was great. I think there is a little bit of this. And the the fight scene in the the sci fi store with Keegan Michael Key, like that yeah. that scene completely came out of nowhere, but yeah. it was it was well it was welcome though. It was pretty dope. Me and my girl were watching and we were like seeing this little android ki- like kick ass. We're like, hell yeah! All right, I'm in it. Like I'm invested for sure. <laughs> I just want to see this little girl beat the shit out of people yeah. and and other robots. But. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the story. Um, the only thing I, I was kind of like a little underwhelmed with was like kind of the, the like the climax, like the finale mm-hmm. kind of felt very just like, I don't know, because like, they were kind of really building up. there like, we're going to go back to Tomorrowland. We're going to fix it. We're going to do all this. And I was expecting this really, really big climax. And it was like, it was good. It wasn't bad. I was just kind of like, oh, all right. well, You know, because it, it was just, it kept hyping it up the whole time. But. I mean, the opening scene of, like, her going into Tomorrowland and you can see Space Mountain in the background was really cool. But, yeah, overall, like, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, my only really complaint, small little nitpick was I felt the climax was a little underwhelming. But other than that, it also didn't feel like it was trying to reach for a sequel. Like, it kind of felt mm-hmm. like it was just its own thing. It could have been its own thing. Like, you know, they're sending out all the little androids or whatever out to go recruit people. And I was like, yo, that's cool. Like it, it left it at a perfect ending where it could either be continued on or just you're left off and you kind of go, yeah, I know what to expect. And there's a happily ever after, I guess. But yeah, yeah man, I, I, I dug it. I dug it a lot. It was fun.
2: Yeah, um, I really, really enjoyed it too. Um, I thought, it, I, I, I love movies that are just kind of like, Set in pessimistic worlds that are people are still optimistic in them, like so they don't the movies themselves don't feel necessarily very saccharine, but it feels like the people in it still believe, like, have all this hope and stuff like that. And I really like that you know, the kind of the doomsday thing is kind of a self fulfilling par- prophecy, like, it's you know, the world is gonna end because people are telling us that the world is gonna end, so it just kind of creates itself on a loop, feedback loop um and i really liked that it's just kind of like the ending is just kind of like about optimism and stuff like that and i, I got really emotional you know at the end when um what, what's her name uh the robot girl um athena, athena thank you sacrifices i really he mm-hmm. was great by the way like i had not really mm-hmm. seen her she heard, all the actors in like um casey's great in this obviously george clooney kills it um hugh laurie is a really good bad guy i think um and it's good to hear him do his british accent cuz i don't think he does a very good american accent so it's good when he is actually doing his real accent i mean a
0: house <laughs> yes. Is that good at house
2: i mean I like he, he's a good he's a good actor in house yeah i love he, house he's he's got the just it sounds good like hearing him yeah, real. he's he's yeah he's mm-hmm. got the it's you know i think i this when he's using his real voice it really um com- his like menace and everything kind of comes through a lot better um but yeah i, I really dug it um and uh, like Ariel said, this is done by Damon Lindelof, who is probably one of my favorite creators working today. Um, you know, in the television and film landscape, I'm all I won't shut up about Lost whenever we do these podcasts. So obviously, as, like, soon,
0: <laughs> as soon as I saw his name in the credits, I was like, I wonder if Derek will like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. yeah
1: um, all it takes is is either David, uh, Damon Lindelof, or uh,
0: Ryan, or Ryan
1: Gosling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Gos- but yeah, there's definitely some like Damon Lindelof movies where you can tell like, oh, this is a movie that he just kind of like he was. And this is something I've heard him to like talk about in interviews where he's like, there's some movies where it's like a Damon Lindelof was brought on to like kind of punch up a script or be part of a team. And there's some movies where it's like, yeah, this is a Damon Lindelof movie, like mm-hmm. Cowboys and Aliens. He just kind of like came on to like that doesn't feel like a damon lindelof movie or like Mm -hmm. star trek 2 doesn't really feel like a damon lindelof movie but then you have something like this or like prometheus and like those are like very damon lindelof and this really was and i actually when it came out i didn't even know that it was damon lindelof i just knew that it was directed by brad bird so i really wanted to see it because of that and for whatever reason i just never really got around to it um, and then when Disney Plus came out, I was like, cool, I'm going to finally get to watch it. And it's still not on that because of the rights and stuff. So I just never got to see it until Arrow, you suggested we do it for your big swing. And I was like, on board 100% because like this. Yeah, I, I, I really love that kind of like these are two creators that I wouldn't naturally pair up together. But it makes so much sense. I really like Brad Bird's kind of like retro futuristic stuff that he does in The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really came through here all the kind of retrofuturism in Tomorrowland. There's lots of really cool kind of callback callouts to stuff if you're like a really big Disney fan that you might pick up on like for example when they like on the rocket ship in the Eiffel Tower and you that goes up kind of by the moon, it's kind of a reference to the original French Space Mountain which was based on the Jules Verne from Earth to the Moon and like it's so it's kind of like based on French Space Mountain because it's in France it's
1: also uh, actually a bit more based on the original um, one of the original Tomorrowland tentpole rides of Journey to the Moon or then later on Journey to Mars, um, which is essentially just like a, you're, you're riding in a giant rocket and there's a big screen in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a, t- a twist on both those ideas, mm-hmm. a little bit more of the journey to the moon. Um, and essentially, yeah, there's like so many. I'll, I could go into it. Yeah, when yeah. I've,
2: but like, but yeah, yeah, that's why they have like Jules Verne is like on that council mm-hmm. or whatever. They're like with him and Eiffel and Edison and um, um, Tesla. Tesla. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's why it is kind of, you know, a reference to a lot of Disney rides, but specifically, yeah, the, you know, the, um, I think it was definitely trying to call out the, because it's a part of the, the French Tomorrowland, which is actually called Discoveryland. And Mm -hmm. it's really a lot cooler than our Tomorrowland Mm -hmm. or like Florida's Tomorrowland or anything. Um, But yeah, I just... I loved all this kind of like the little things and the world building and it's like yeah it is this kind of like secondary interesting world where it is really hopeful I liked kind of the interesting unique dynamic that like George Clooney had with Athena where it's like you know he's kind of like been jaded and then it's like this person from his past comes back and he's just like ah she like betrayed me and like you know like when I was a kid I had all these feelings for her and like she tricked me but he's kind of He's starting to kind of see that optimism again. And when she sacrifices herself for him at the end, like it it really got to me. Um, Overall though. Yeah. Just really great movie. Um, Something else really cool that is just kind of random that I want to point out. um, And I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, like I wanted to make a point of noting that Jeff Jensen um, worked on this movie because Jeff Jensen actually has a really interesting, cool relationship with Damon Lindelof because he was, like, the guy who was, like, the main Lost guy. Like, every week when Lost would come out, he, he was a columnist for Entertainment Weekly. And he would write these, like, really in-depth reviews and theories and stuff. And, like, you know, over the years of him doing that, him and Damon Lindelof kind of, like, had a really interesting back and forth. And because of that, he got brought on to do this um, and work with Brad Bird and Lindelof. And then you know he would eventually go on to um, co-create Watchmen with Lindelof. Like he was one of the main guys who did um, Damon Lindelof's uh, Watchmen mini series, which is also fucking great, and you know everybody should check that out.
0: Oh hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Sergio, did you wanna?
3: Yeah. So I think since you guys uh, all touched base on it at one point, I'll start off with the talking about the world building. Well, really, well, there's two things. One one that sticks out is that it's called Tomorrowland, and it's about getting to Tomorrowland and fixing it. And you see it throughout the movie, but it's not the entire movie. A lot of the movie takes place on our Earth, our planet. And so it's it's very adventurous. You don't really quite know exactly where they are in the world. They're in Cape Canaveral. Oh, yeah, Cape Canaveral. Okay. Uh, so yeah and so they're in cape canaveral so it's uh, it, tomorrowland is, uh, is it does get described a lot you do see it in all of its wonderment but what makes this movie different from other um movies that we've covered in this series is you have these big imaginative worlds right um but usually in movies like this they're getting basically explained to you The audience by the characters what makes this movie uh different from those and much more watchable for me is that you have a character like Casey who is very relatable and she's also um, experiencing this world for the first time too so as these characters are explaining it to her you're also learning about it it doesn't feel like oh these characters are just kind of they everything they already know everything, and we're just like going, "Wow, cool! This is awesome!" She's also in the same boat with us too, and she, she's amazed by everything that we're seeing, and she's also a very relatable pilot for the, the film's themes too. So, yeah, going back to like what Alan said, it did have that kind of uh, Disney magic. It is it deals with a lot of optimism and pessimism, and hope and hope. Very, you know, keep moving forward, forward meets this type beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. yeah, so it did for a movie like that, where it's it, the theme is so simple. It does touch base on a lot of things. It covers, it has actually has a quite a bit of um, like socio political commentary in it, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, what happens in Tomorrowland and what Tomorrowland's position, the whole thing about the end of the world. Consumerism, uh, culture, politics, economics, things like that. It, it comments on all of that surprisingly. Just like, oh, I was not expecting this from a movie like this. And it's got, you know, George Clooney in it and he fights House in the end. And House, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of it is in that final speech that House, yeah, House <laughs> exactly. that he gives at the end. And it's like, it does have, it does give some perspective to, um what he what he's doing and what he believes in where it's the whole thing of we have to keep this closed from the the general public really like from normal people essentially because they'll destroy it and you know things like that it's it's commentary and it does it really well so it's it's things like that i think that make this movie different it's it's it actually, despite the the giganticness of the world that it's presenting to you, it also has a dilemma, and it has commentary, and it has a um has really good characters. <laughs> I love the um the relationship between um uh, you know Frank, Athena, and Casey. They uh, it was really enjoyable seeing the three of them have scenes together, and just how they. Um, clash how their characters clash, and it, it was, of course, just really cool seeing things very creative. Sort of, for for example, the um, yeah, the the setup for Tomorrowland, the history, the background it does get into the lore a little bit of the original four. Uh, uh, Jules Verne. It does pay a lot of homage to Jules Verne, especially with the scene with the Eiffel Tower. That part was really cool so this movie does have a lot of imagination in it, despite the fact that it's presentation is a little bit on the smaller scale at times, except for the parts where it really wants to show you. I think that's another thing too, is it, it knows how to show restraint a little bit because it's not constantly bombarding you with the bigness of the world. It's, it shows restraint and that's the way it wants it to. Uh, That's the, that's how they want to present the world to you because that's how, the um the world in the film presents itself to someone like casey it's supposed to be like this giant flash of but it's just a preview so it's it's really supposed to be a preview of what is to come and that's what i really like about it it shows restraint and it knows what to show and what not to show Mm -hmm. so yeah i i like how i like how this movie it's it's it while it does have the pieces of a standard big giant world movie it has those little things where it's like yeah there's some talent behind this there's some talented screenwriters and directors that know what they're doing and they they know what to do and what not to do what to show and what not to show that make this movie um, very very watchable compared to others that we're, we're going to be doing <laughs>
0: Yeah, i, week I totally to I, agree with the restraint i think um i, I liked i like that aspect of it because um i mean all the other ones we've seen they're big big cgi fuck fest kind of thing well this one kind of like took its time and it, rem- it reminded me a lot of this novel called um nosferatu that's uh by joe hill and that book is like huge it's like 800 almost 900 page book and like it keeps talking about this whole place called Christmas land. And, and like, it kind of just keeps talking about it and it sets it up and it gives you a little bit of world building. And then finally around the end of the world, uh, the end of the book, you kind of get to this big climax where you finally get to see Christmas land. And, and with this, it kind of, it felt like that where there was that restraint of like, Hey, you know, we get, you're here to see Tomorrowland, but Hey, let's, let's tease you a little bit. Let's, talk about like the com- like the commentary too that was like the social commentary i was blown away what blown away by it because i was like wow this is a-, a disney movie i wouldn't expect that i kind of expect it to be more like pirates or something where it just <laughs> it gets straight into the action and it's like yeah. hey cgi fuck fest and everything but no dude I, I agree with that 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 was that was pretty dope i like that
2: yeah and i think that's why it honestly might not have it because it was a lost a lot of money um at the box office, mm-hmm. it didn't do... It was pretty down the middle with critics. Like, it has a 50% on Tomatoes. And I think that what you guys are describing is probably why. Because it does, on the surface, look like, you know, this kind of, like, big, like, crazy, like, over-the-top movie. But then it is, like, a lot more thoughtful than it would seem when it, like, has one scene where it's, like, you know, Ke- Keegan-Michael Key is, like, a robot and going crazy. But then it also is, like, yeah, this is kind of, like, all this stuff, like, about, like you know, about the rich getting richer and like trying to keep the, you know, everyone else down to keeping all the technology to themselves and like all the kind of advancements and not for the common people. So it does ha- have a really interesting mix of that kind of stuff. And I think maybe audiences and critics weren't sure how to take it or how to view it. And I think that's why it kind of got the unfortunate reception that it did when it deserved a lot better.
0: 50 percent mm-hmm. dude i am shocked by that, yeah, that yeah. that's a good like 75 80 percent yeah but, I, I, you know. I
1: loved it yeah so let me get started um mm. so what i i was with this movie since the beginning of of yeah. its conception essentially where they had a special like preview um, at Disneyland and they they gave out those pins they're kind of a variant of the pin there's two different types of pins but they gave one type of pin um and yeah I was in love with it since since that beginning I think it was the scene um dang I can of can't remember I think it was when um Frank and Frank's house gets you know um attacked that was the scene that they they kind of previewed and this movie rep- essentially in its core represents so much of what Walt Disney's voice was. And um I know like um Derek, you didn't you said that you didn't really wouldn't have expected Brad Burr and didn't David Lindelof to like mesh so well, but I totally understand it completely because Brad Burr is is such a an visionary kind of person himself. Like if he, if like, I've like heard like him talk about things and he is in that team totally made sense to me. And Brad kind of like is, he brought all of the Disney mythos because he is a really big Disney nerd. So this was essentially what Tomorrowland in this movie was essentially what Walt Disney w- in, had envisioned when he created Disneyland, even with this kind of like communal place where, um, you know, technology—that's what that was. What birth to was that he um, wanted to display and get all these people together, like the brightest minds, to like kind of present what um, the future could be, and kind of provide this optimism to um people and to spread this optimism of yeah the great big beautiful tomorrow and this movie essentially represents walt disney at its core and for me like that it's just such a great movie and yeah i don't i think if he had come if it if it come if it came out today especially with david Lindelof's like um interpretation of of watchmen and showing that like you know things just don't don't have to be grandeur and they could be drawn out and things like that it might be recepted a bit better um but yeah i mean like like I, i've said before in um our other podcasts in in my podcast you've never seen um when it comes to george Clooney all it takes is a really good director and a really good script and he could just knock it out of the park. He's just like, I can become one of the greatest actors. And with this he just like encapsulates so easily like this man that's, you know, disgruntled and was a dreamer and like just his lost hope because, you know, like his own machine, like, and he feels guilt too, because like his machine kind of put this in motion, kind of stopped tomorrowland in its tracks in a way and then yeah like even Hugh lori's character like you understand and you he to me he's not like he is a bad guy but you he's an understandable bad guy and that's like the perfect the best bad guy in my opinion where he he himself was once a dreamer too like even he you know he believed in tomorrowland he believed in the future of humans and that's why he in the beginning he was recruiting people himself um but and but when he lost hope in humanity because once they were shown this future they just accepted it and that's kind of like, yeah like with the social commentary of what's going on nowadays is like even especially with this year is that like <laughs> coming to a point where we're kind of, like, accepting things and just accepting, you know, bad things happening and stuff like that, when when we shouldn't be looking at that. We should be looking at, like, the great things that happened. Like, speaking of which, with Disney, like, um, a whole community created a musical out of, uh, for Ratatouille that actually ended up being very incredible and, like, just, um, like... It's just there's, there's this other side that, yeah, like, it just sucks that negativity gets brought to the surface where, you know, all this positivity could, like, you know, like, can can rise up and make things and has the potential of making things better and just, like, yeah. I, I mean, this is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time, and I definitely agree that f- for our big swings, this is definitely more of the... Fairly underrated of our 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 movie choices for Big Swing Month, um, but yeah, I mean it's just a beautiful movie that if you're a Disney buff like myself, like you just see, and especially like if you've seen like the the pictures that that Disney and his Imagineers um, had created for Disneyland specifically um, Tomorrowland, you would totally just recognize every all these moments of this movie you know like mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: for sure it was definitely definitely total nostalgic nostalgic for me too because you know the pin i, I worked at disney like a long time ago but i i kind of da- like they threw me around and when i when i worked in tomorrowland you know i, I didn't work at tomorrowland terrace but i think pizza port but you would see people with the yeah, it was right it right.
1: was at the honey trunk the kids um theater mm-hmm. that's where that's where they they showed the preview and that's where you would get the pin so so yeah definitely yeah um but yeah no and then i don't want to go um i don't want to not mention that they they are one of the one there are the only film i think to ever film in disneyland so there the beginning in the in the Oh yeah. In the opening scene with with young Frank, um they ride um Small It's a Small World which um famously was premiered at the the World's Fair in um Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah, um in Chicago and um they yeah, they physically went to Disneyland and and went on um It's a Small World and and wrote it and like kind of like you know kind of closed it. I think they did it like extremely early before the, the um, the park didn't, opened. But yeah, that's really shoot,
2: it's. Normal. Didn't they shoot um, uh, Saving Mister Banks at Disneyland? Oh yeah, they did. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And there's, there's, and there's, okay, and then and, there, well, there was, was the also birds. Escape from Tomorrow, which was like, like shot at Disneyland secretly and like yeah, that was yeah. a no, but piece of shit, but yeah Uh,
1: officially
0: just out of curiosity
1: yeah this was the first one so that was like big news also when it first came out was that it's the first movie to film in disneyland um but yeah Yeah. i mean it's just it's just if you are a disney fan of you know this is like definitely a movie for you
2: what were you saying though alan about like you when you were working there
0: oh yeah like just it just made me feel nostalgic because like Sometimes I'd work at Tomorrowland, and you know everyone's wearing the costumes, and you know I go to costuming, and you see all the different costumes of all the different lands and everything. And I I had worked at Pizza Port a couple times, but it was right nearby Tomorrowland Terrace. You would see that big T logo and stuff. And like when I was watching the movie, I was like, "Hey, like that's so like I don't know." it just felt like I was like, "Hey, like I feel a part of it somehow" because I'd worked there. And like I'm honestly like, when you work there, there there are people like who love disney that much that that work there that like the imagineers they just go far and beyond where they're like i want to i want to make people feel this happiness here at disney like it's it's pretty cool and it, like even working there like but i mean people have their own types with working there but being backstage and seeing all the stuff like all that magic kind of happen it's pretty cool and like i like what they they kind of did with this movie they were trying to like Give that magic as well. Like, hey, like, check this out. Like, you've been to Tomorrowland, you know, you've gone to Disneyland or Walt Disney World or whatever. So yeah. it was just cool. Like, it was just cool to see.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like I said, like, this encapsulates the mythos that Walt Disney tried to bring with his movies and uh, with his company, essentially, is that he wanted to, like, like Alan said, he wanted to create this. The magic for people. He wanted to inspire people, and and you know, you know, bring forth in into Marlin like the genius that that human beings are capable of. You know, yeah. But definitely, like, like, and Casey kind of like embodies that too in a way where she she's incredibly smart, but she is always open to learning more, and but not in like a way that's like. Like demeaning of the person teaching her, she or you know, like if it, like when she was being presented all these things, like she was just absorbing it instead of just like questioning it, like you know, like some scientists do or tend hmm. to do, you know.
2: Yeah, she she w- wanted to get knowledge, not to prove herself right or but hmm. to like for the actual like you know wanting to learn more. You know, she was and uh she was you know very much for. She's very op optimistic and like you know she didn't want her like uh, Cape Canaveral to close down. Like she wanted, she like she was kept you know delaying it and stuff like that. And you can you can really see the passion that Brad Bird and Damon Lindelof had when they were making this for the movie itself and for all the stuff that they were paying homage to. And a lot of that's the thing. The one of the main things I love about these big swing movies is that they are such works of passion that they're not, like, cheap cash grabs by people, like, the people making them, they really, they really do, like, care about it, and they have this, like, when they get these huge budgets to, like, tell this grand scale movie, it's it's amazing to just kind of see these people's just, like, passions come up, and you do often see, like, you know, creators will make something, they'll get their big break, and a lot of these um, big swings are these kind of these filmmakers make something and then they kind of get a blank check to just be like, all right, just go hog wild, make whatever the fuck you want. Because you know, Brad Bird, he makes the Incredibles. Then he makes mission impossible Ghost protocol. And he's like (laughs) hot shit at this point. So he's like, okay, cool. I want to make this weird sci-fi movie. when I'll get Damon Lindell off to write it. And they're like, all right, here's a, you know, like blank check. Like, you know, like this is a really good podcast um, called blank check that Griffin Newman does (laughs) where he kind of talks about a lot of these Movies and I'll you know I'll some I'll just I'll mention some other movies that I feel like are similar you know like keeping with Pixar you know after Andrew Stanton made Finding Nemo and Wall-E he they were like okay his blank check or his big swing movie was um uh oh my gosh why am I spacing on it um Andrew Stanton John Carter um and then mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. have uh some like Ava DuVernay uh she was the first uh black woman to ever have her movie nominated for best picture um, with Selma. And then she gets a wrinkle in time or the Wachowskis. They are like the, the, the masters of this, you know, after they made their Matrix trilogy, all of their movies have been big swings. We've got bit, you've got mm-hmm. speed racer, you've got Jupiter ascending, you've got cloud Atlas, you know, all three mm-hmm. of those movies are big swings. So it's, you know, and it's a shame that big swings tend to lose money. To the box office I, for, I forgot, the, I, we were kind of talking about how none of them get sequels last time, but the only one I think that's ever gotten a sequel would probably be, have been Pacific Rim. So, so it is just really nice to see, like, yeah, you've got this money, you can ha- you have this huge blank check to just kind of make whatever interesting, big, weird stuff, you, and then you could just, their heart's all in it, mm-hmm. just the, the passion just really comes through with these movies, and Tomorrowland is a prime example of that
1: yeah and it's you know unfortunately it also, like was, uh, falls, uh, oh. Oh, oh, go ahead. um it also falls victim to like what we've mentioned before with live action Disney movies like Pete's dragon and then um, oh my gosh, I'm blinking on other we've we've discussed other disney live action movies, but it's kind of like sucks, and I'm hoping that it's gonna change especially with with disney plus um Disney plus like uh a uh, uh, material coming out that. Usually, their li- Disney's live action movies don't tend to fare w- as well as their animated movies, and it it kind of like falls into that mentality of you know like oh well they're 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 an animation studio, but when you know like actually like all there's like a bunch of Disney live action movies that ha- you know are incredible and have incredible writing that are like like with Brad Bird is essentially the same writers as your favorite animated movie. So, you know, this movie is going to be great too. And like, you know, you guys, you people, I'm hoping that the general public will take that leap and like be more, become more accepting of Disney live action movies than like pushing them to the wayside.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I completely agree. I mean, I, I was just going to mention uh, Tron Legacy. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. technically it's a it's a sequel, yeah. but and it's still a big swing. But I'm not going to say that movie has like exquisite writing, but that movie is stunning. Like that movie, you can tell at least they try to give as much and love the as second like, to the visuals. Both of them and the second have
1: and, like incredible work building, big swing. you
0: know? Oh, yeah, like so, definitely. Yeah. And then there's Daft Punk and Tron Legacy. Like, yeah. like they went out of their way. They're like, we want this to feel like even Daft Punk themselves are like our, one of our favorite films is Tron. And they're like, hell yeah, we want to jump in and and do the music for the sequel. And, like, that one, I mean, obviously doesn't fit the criteria because it's technically a sequel to the original. But, like, that movie, like, I kind of even felt uh, with uh, Flynn's son in Tron Legacy, Mm -hmm. I felt like his characterization was kind of similar to Casey in this one. Like, in the Mm -hmm. beginning, they're both trying to, like, stop something from, like, changing. Like, kind of, yeah, like, they're like, no, like this is what you know, we're trying to do and everything like stop this, but yeah, it's like, like that that movie. <laughs> yeah. Anarchy, yeah. But again, like the characters still try to learn more, you know, like Flynn's son is like as smart as he is. And like, he figures out how to go to the grid and etc. Cetera, et cetera, But I mean, yeah, like that, that's one movie definitely where I felt like they, they put in a lot of heart and effort for, for fans to come watch. And I think it did fairly. Okay. It did. It did. All box. right.
2: Yeah. Like
1: it- yeah. It, it's honestly, it's kind of like um along with r- the first tron kind of like falling into that um pop culture like kind of like cult classics yeah and then like that's that's the show continue to show like disney's kind of like i mean you know they are one of the most um you know prosperous companies in the world like they should be they should be doing this and should be supporting as it's, it's just like, it's nice to see that, that Disney does support creativity of these, like, you know, like people that come up and like, you, you, you hear stories of like Pixar, you know, Pixar animators and storytellers and writers that, you know, come and like they, as they prove themselves, they are given more and more chances, more and more chances until, you know, you get, you get like a, a, I don't want to say Wally because Wally is one of the originals, but you get like an Inside Out, or you know, um, one of the, the creator of the short Luna, La Luna, is now gonna have his own movie because he's kind of like built up, built up, built up, and it's like, yeah, it's very like it's a nice thing to see that Disney is um feeds that kind of creativity and and stuff.
2: Yeah, and I was just gonna say on like the Tron Legacy thing, that was one of the movies when I was like first kind of you know, ruminating about this idea of big swings, I was going to include it. And I kind of like didn't inc- I kind of cav- had that caveat of like they can't be um, part of an existing <laughs> franchise because of movies like Tron Legacy, because that movie did make a lot of money. Um, and I was like, okay, like movies like this and Pirates end up making a lot of money probably because like Tron Legacy is a sequel to a cult classic, but it does you know all the same kind of things that a movie like this does, but it does have that advantage of being like people grew up on tron and they they love tron you know like daft punk did um and because like like interestingly it it had almost the same budget and made almost the same mo- amount of like if you look at all the movies that are like big swings but are like part of a franchise like tron legacy or like pirates of the caribbean or like aquaman is another one um they though all 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 of them Tron made, le- Legacy made the least amount of money and if you look at all the ones that aren't sequels that are part of a film franchise Pacific Rim made the most money and they're pretty comparable so like the like the one that is a sequel made the least that made the least is about on par with the one that isn't a sequel that made the most so that's why I feel like they that I needed to make that kind of distinction um, because yeah Tron Legacy would be right up there with a movie like Tomorrowland I think
0: Mm-hmm, mhm <laughs>
1: Yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us on this discussion. Thank you for. I hope that you do go and, and watch Tomorrowland or spread the word of how great Tomorrowland is, because it does need to come back and become <laughs> become a noticeable movie. Let's in get Disney.
3: it on Disney Plus.
1: And yeah, it's gonna be on it's Disney coming, Plus. Yeah, it's
0: in July, I, I think September, September, uh, September,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. September. Yeah, yeah, it's licensing. Hopefully, this is the last thing. And then we'll, you know, <laughs> Disney Plus will be ongoing um i I, I remember last
0: year i was like we we got disney plus and obviously we watch mandalorian and all that and like we were watching all our favorite disney animated films and i was like yo let's watch fucking tomorrowland and this was like no i I think what disney plus dropped disney plus dropped like 2019 right yeah 2019
1: yeah Yeah. and we are like let's watch
0: tomorrowland and i would search tomorrowland and it's like it'll be available September 2021. I was like, what the fuck? That's like five years away. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same
2: exact thing. Like I was just like, oh, I'm going to finally watch this movie. That's yeah. Brad Bird, Damon Lindelof, Disney plus click. It's not going to be on here for two years. Fuck you. Great.
0: <laughs> Legit. I was like, are you fucking, I get it's tomorrow, <laughs> How- land, bro, <laughs> but <laughs> not that far tomorrow.
1: Even me, like even me, like right now, like, um, when I went to go and cause yeah, I did check Disney plus, um, first and then yeah i said that i'm like but how <laughs> like how is it not yeah, yeah i, I thought idea. this was all settled i thought they got everything now but no i know i guess there's a few stragglers
3: i don't even want to ask yeah. who owns the rights currently right now but i just remember it's I- Sling. Oh, oh reason my
1: reason God! Sling, sling. That's like sling. that's like, well, like man. Well, whenever I watch a movie, movie it's just always for, on just for fucking sling. Contents, just for context, our next movie was on Sling as well, which is I've never heard of Sling, yeah. but it's, it's I mean, fucking it's, expensive.
0: It's like fifty bucks a month. Yeah, it's I mean, really it's basically game. it's like yeah. cable. It's like yeah, yeah it's, you
2: it's get like, cable. like a bunch of regular channels. It's like like cable for. Oh It's like a cable. Yeah, it's
3: because
2: I got I had like the trial for like a week because i was like wanting to watch football and i was like this is fucking stupid
1: i wonder if i checked <laughs> i don't I think i did check our cable i don't yeah. think it was available. yeah like
0: i'm but. not gonna lie almost every single film that we, we review and watch mm-hmm. if i go on the, because derek gave us a website called justwatch.com and and you can put in what you what you want and it will show you the streaming services where you can watch for free or watch for uh renting or buying or whatever Hands fucking down, like ninety nine percent of every film we want to watch is on fucking Sling. And then finally one day I was like telling my girlfriend, I was like, "Okay, every film we have to watch is on Sling." I was like, "Let me see how much it is. I'm gonna fucking pay for it." And it's like fifty five dollars a month. And I was like, "Go fuck yourself, Sling." Wow. (laughs) But
1: yeah, but thank you everybody for joining us. Um, We have a a few other podcasts that are uh, we have now because um, we're expanding um so we have um my my podcast called you've never seen where I um I, I tell somebody you know to watch a movie that they've never seen but it's considered a movie of that's considered to be a part of pop culture or cinematic history or ones that I'm just shocked that they've never seen so there's one that's coming out that I am just shocked that they've never seen it's not really like a part of pop culture but that's gonna be in a few months it comes out at at the first
0: uh which one is it
1: uh i can't remember it right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) talk about
2: uh star wars
1: the one that just came out train spotting no 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 train spotting is the one that's part of pop culture history but there is one that's coming up where i just wanted to i can't remember what it is (laughs) but um but yeah there's one that's coming up that i should like yeah i'm just i want that person to see it I can't remember what it is <laughs> but um, anyway Derek has a somewhat similar um, podcast but in the TV realm where he introduces somebody to a TV show with a single episode of a gateway episode so to say and the, the podcast is called gateway episode yep. so for mine look for the screaming woman in green um, and for Derek's look for the white archway and with that, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for being amazing. Yep.
0: Yeah, thank you so we- much, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Yeah, Thanks, guys.
2: And uh, check out, I've got a uh, post that I wrote about big swings on Medium, so go check that out, too, if you guys want to hear more about this. Uh, thank. I'll see you guys. I almost said thanks for being amazing, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll see you in another life, to quote Damon Lindelof.
2: Thanks for
0: being amazing to see you guys in another life. <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
3: You know, listen to Daft Punk. That was see the Tron Legacy's a